My name is King T'Challa, son of King T'Chaka. I am the sovereign ruler of the nation of Wakanda. And for the first time in our history, we will be sharing our knowledge and resources with the outside world. Wakanda will no longer watch from the shadows. We cannot. We must not. We will work to be an example of how we as brothers and sisters on this earth should treat each other. Now more than ever, the illusions of division threaten our very existence. We all know the truth. More connects us than separates us. But in times of crisis, the wise build bridges, while the foolish build barriers. We must find a way to look after one another as if we were one single tribe. With all due respect, King T'Challa, what can a nation of farmers have to offer the rest of the world? I'm Joel Murphy, this is Hobo Radio, and with me, my friend, Lars Periwinkle. Oh, hey, buddy. Hey, how, how are you? I ask this question in utter futility, like, every week, but... Hey, you know, pretty not good. How are you? Yeah, it got, like, that's the thing. We've we've done this the last few weeks, and it's been, like, a baseline bad. And then, for reasons that I imagine yeah. we're about to talk about, this last week's been pretty shitty. <laughs> it has. It has, uh, yep, unusually. Yeah, so... There's, there's going to be a silver line in some place. We're going to find it. Hey, why don't we spend the next hour talking about uh, where this silver lining is around this dark cloud hanging over our souls. I'm pretty sure that's my other podcast that I do with Andy, where we find silver linings in maligned things. <laughs> yes, over a specific movie's soul. Yeah, which I, I'm not going to give it away, but I I was a little a little perturbed at Andy. Not really, but just like there was a movie that he suggested that will be an eventual show. I'm not going to give away what it is, but I was watching this movie Ooh. and I was like, why am I watching this stupid movie? Like, why? <laughs> And then it was like, he watched it on HBO Max, and then I didn't watch it in time, and then on September 1st, that son of a bitch just went right off of HBO Max, so I had to pay $4 to watch a movie I did yeah, not that's, like. That's how I, f 
that's how I felt when you suggested that I watch The Old Guard because you quote unquote don't know how I feel about this movie. You know, maybe this is yeah, maybe it's karmic <laughs> payback for making everyone watch The Old Guard, which was not worth it. <laughs> not very good. All right, but look, we the, like I don't want to. I, God, I'm like I don't know how to approach this. I don't know what to say, but. I do obviously want to talk about the fact that we like we lost Chadwick Boseman this past week, which we lost him. We lost him. We lost. We lost. We lost T'Challa. Yeah, I like. It was statistically not surprising, but I was watching Avengers Endgame. When mm-hmm. the news broke, uh, uh, you know, oh, did you, were you really watching Endgame when that happened? Yeah, I'm not even kidding. I was one hour oh, into Christ Avengers Lord. Endgame, which again, I would try to ascribe some amount of, you know, significance to, except for the fact that most days, if you randomly, <laughs> like I'm usually watching a Marvel movie in my home on many days. Yeah. Like, so it's not fair enough. It's honestly probably more, uh, you know, significant that it wasn't Civil War, which is still the the Marvel movie that I've seen the most. Uh, oh, right on. Yeah, Endgame's funny because I haven't watched that one as much. I've probably, I want to say I've watched it like four or five times at this point, um, which is <laughs> low for uh, a lot of the, the... But yeah, I was I was an hour into the movie... Uh, I was, you know, kind of mindlessly scrolling through Twitter and I saw it and it was weird because it was like one of those times that I saw the AP story as it was tweeted and I didn't see anything else. And I just kind of like stared at my phone in disbelief and kept hoping I was like, this, this is not right like this can't be right and then i believe if i remember correctly what i texted to you were the words what the fuck with a link to that ap story yeah yeah i was watching uh i was i was online with um uh several other people uh participating in mondo baltimore which if you want to participate they show a crappy movie every friday evening um, starting at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And um, there's a chat section, and we all make fun of the movie, and it's great fun. It's actually been a, a source of of peace <laughs> for me and my, my wife, so we can just kind of uh, have something to look forward to when it's fun on a Friday night. But, uh, like, two people posted that, and I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? I got to double check that. And then I looked at my phone and you had texted me. What the fuck? I'm like, Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> I think, I think this might yeah. be real. It was a total drag. Yeah. I, no, I definitely had just a while, like where I just kept scrolling through my phone and kept hoping that I was going to see that it was a hoax or like, so, cause it just like, none of it really made sense. Like, and you know, that was the thing that obviously Chadwick Boseman decided to do. We don't know why. I've I've seen a lot of irresponsible speculating on uh, on why, but like he obviously was dealing with 
a chronic illness that he, you know, did not disclose to everybody and was continuing to work, uh, you know, through that. So I, I, you know, obviously it seemed, it seemed like a surprise. I mean, it, it you know, I've read a lot, uh, the, the people in Marvel films and such who had worked with them and it, it seemed like he hadn't really disclosed it to many people. If anyone, if anyone, you know, th- there were so many people saying, you know, a, never knew he was sick and he played some really physical roles. So, you know, um, uh, you know, Ryan Coogler said, you know, never, never missed a day of work. Always there. Um, um, always strong, always fast, always focused. The same thing with everyone in the five bloods, just the guy was professional, showed up on time, willing to do anything, training all the time, just really there. I think he, he seemed like one of those, um, one of those people that you hear about a lot who, who says, um, uh, I'm not going to let my illness define me in any sort of way. I'm going to keep fighting, keep doing what I do. I'm going to try even harder to be the, the best, strongest person. And, um, and, and, you know, get through this. And unfortunately, you know, uh, you know, sometimes you're, you're just not stronger than these, uh, than these things. What are you going to do? Yeah, no, I, it's just, uh, yeah. I, and I honestly, I, I don't really want to, uh, speculate too much because obviously, I mean, to me, the whole thing is that he, for whatever reason, and we don't know the reason did not want to talk about uh, his health issues. And so, um, you know, I, I do think like, I can, yeah, I totally understand the yeah, reasons. Yeah. I don't want to do that either. Yeah. Who the fuck <laughs> wants to do that? Uh, but, uh, no, it just, it really hit me. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't think I actually really fully appreciated, uh, you know, how much like, you know, like it just, I, I think we all felt that of like, you know, and I feel like I've learned more from hearing from people who worked with him and hearing a lot of stories of just like how special he really was just as a person, like just every single story that has come out about him has just been just, you know, what a completely amazing person he was that there's like a been a bunch of like one of them. I I read a story on Twitter that was a, a reporter who was talking about, they were interviewing him for, uh, when the Jackie Robinson movie came out. And it was at a baseball stadium and it was during like cold months and they were just asked to wait outside, uh, you know, while he ate lunch, like during this press junket and they were standing outside and they, they, this reporter said they didn't wear a jacket. And so they were kind of shivering, they were cold, but whatever, you know, they're standing out there, but apparently like Chadwick Boseman saw this guy waiting and just invited him in to just it was like i'm gonna keep eating like let's not start the interview yet but just like why don't you come inside this luxury box and wait uh while i eat my lunch of just like that kind of small like you wouldn't have thought less of him like if he hadn't done that but the fact that stuff like that occurred to him like throughout his career, like there's just a bunch of stories I feel like that I read of that of just like everyone just talking about, uh, you know, just what a completely amazing person he was like ridiculously, probably too humble. Like I read a lot of stuff about him always constantly downplaying the roles that he played and like the impact that he had and, you know, never seemed like he really wanted to take the credit that he fully deserved for the work that he did. Like, 
always seemed like he was kind of, you know, pivoting it to someone else or crediting other people. Uh, just, yeah, like, and, and I've also, I don't know about you, but I feel like I've learned a lot about how much he actually contributed to Black Panther and how much he really thought about the character. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. You know, um, uh, uh, Marvel studios or Disney, who, who everyone contributed to put out like a, a five minute thing in the past couple days about, um, about Chadwick Boseman. And I thought what I liked about it the most, um, was it was, um, interviews with people talking about him from the past. So this isn't, this isn't something, uh, something where people are reflecting on someone's life because I, I, I don't know. Um, I think, especially when there's a camera in front of you, I think you tend to, whether you know it or not, kind of talk someone up a little bit more than you think that you will. Well, yeah. You know, well, there's like the... it, I'm, not, I'm not trying to mar anyone no. saying nice things about the people who have passed. No, I know what you mean. Like, it's, you know, it's just the old, like, don't speak ill of the dead. Like, we, we tend to be, right. you know, and I I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just human nature that, like, when people die, we definitely want to remember the best about them so but yeah i, I kind of get what you're yeah, saying we that tend like to elevate those things but yeah, yeah i get what you're saying that it seemed to because i watched the exact same thing that you watched which uh, yeah it, oh, okay. it felt like it was you know probably behind the scenes featurettes from various marvel films that he had done where they were just taking interviews that had already been conducted and and putting them together with some behind the scenes footage i will absolutely say that i was doing okay with that until he started talking and then it really did break me oh <laughs> like i did not expect him to oh. be in the featurette oh. yeah like i was okay when like oh. everyone who worked with him was like saying lovely things but when he started talking about the role i was like stop it uh, Niagara Falls Frankie Angel yeah i mean um, I'm, I, w- yeah, I'm the, I, w- I was the same way like when he when he when you see how humble he was um especially at the um when he w- when they were overseas um promoting the the promotion when they had the, uh, the the premiere of black panther overseas and especially in some of the asian markets <clears throat> there were so many people and he really did seem like overwhelmed by the amount of love he was getting and just talking about how like um uh, like the the like not understanding the importance of the reason. Like I I knew it was important. It felt important, but I didn't understand the reasons why it was important. Yeah, no. But for completely. me, I was okay until look. I'm I got no problem with Evans, with Johansson, with Kugler. These are all really talented people, and I love them a lot. When Angela Bassett start talking about oh, this man oh with God. such sincerity, yeah. Yeah. oh God, I was absolutely gutted. <laughs> you could, yeah. It was in my heart was in pieces because the, the way she talked about it and the way they the, they showed that footage on the set of Black Panther with the the way you could just see her like um, emotionally and physically and just all around just adoring that man for how how talented and how good of a person he was. And like, you know, Angela Bassett has no reason to be fake to anyone. This woman yeah. has conquered everything. And if she signs off in the way, like 
That's that's all I that's all I need to know about him. You've confirmed everything I thought about Chadwick Boseman, uh, uh, Ms. Bassett, and thank you for being you. Well, and again, to your point, she recorded that before. Like, that was just, that was stuff they had before. on hand, yeah. when she definitely didn't have to say any of that. Like, nope. uh, yeah. But by the way, just uh, since we're at this portion of the show, um, I did make the decision uh, that night, Friday night, to keep watching Endgame. Uh, I, I mean, I say this, like, it right just, I just didn't stop it. You know what I mean? But like, I was obviously sitting there reading stuff on my phone, but God damn it. If I didn't, you know, like if we didn't get to the end of that movie, when that portal opens up and he walks through and yeah, I was just, I was not okay yeah. watching that. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I wasn't okay watching that in the theater. <laughs> like, like I got choked up the first time you know, I, I watched Endgame. I think we. T I don't know if we talked about it on the show or if this was a private conversation you and I had about um, Infinity War. But when T'Challa started to dust, oh yeah, I think we both had the same reaction in separate theaters of like, oh no, 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 no. Yeah, you didn't realize how popular he would be. I don't think you should do this. <laughs> well, that's. I mean, that is the, the maybe the most fascinating thing about. Uh, you know, Chadwick Boseman's arc is that because Infinity War was filmed before Black Panther hit the theater, so they didn't, right. they, they should have known, but they didn't know. Like, the difference in the fact that they dusted him at the end of Infinity War, and yeah, I think every theater across America had the same one, because I know my theater did, I know your theater did, where they just audible gasps from the entire audience for like, no, yes. you can't, not him, like, look, take not everybody not, else. Not T'Challa! T'Challa! Like, I'll watch Spider-Man get, like, in Tony Stark's arms a hundred times before, like... You yeah. take T'Challa. You just well, you know can't. what? I had a I had a I had a unique experience in that regard because um um this was you know the the first showing at the Senator Thursday night um and um you know T'Challa goes and there is exactly how you described just a hush through the crowd then audible gas comes back. Um, almost like a uh, like a sound wave from the impending mushroom cloud, yeah. You know? And then, um, and then when uh, when Peter Parker sa says, "I don't feel so good," same thing, just uh, a bright light, sound wave, mushroom cloud. Um, the difference is that the after credit scene, there was a <laughs> there was a. A woman uh, sitting behind me. I was probably in the middle, so she wasn't in the back, but she was sitting behind me, and she was sitting on the aisle, and I know that because she stood up and started running. Oh, God. <laughs> Who, after the, after the end credit, the end credit scene, she saw um, uh, Nick Fury, Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury, and started screaming with delight. There he is! There he is! <laughs> Just she was so happy to see him, and then things start started to go to shit around him, and uh, and then she started screaming more. And look, this, this kind of you know this is kind of shitty. We live we live in a place and time where you get nervous when people are being weird in movie theaters. 
And so we're all taking notice when he starts to dust this woman's stuff. Like she is doubled over. She is slapping her leg. No, no. (laughs) She was so upset that Nick Fury wasn't going to make it. Oh yeah. Oh man. I like, and I and I feel I think we all felt her pain, but no one felt it as much as her. Good uh, Lord, she loves Nick Fury. Oh man, I, it's funny, like because now I'm just remembering. It, it really got me because I when I saw Endgame in the theater, uh, which I you know I apologies for whatever, but like I saw it at a press screening, like at the Disney lot. But it was it was a really good audience. Right. It was a packed audience. But uh, I remember that. Because that movie opens with Hawkeye and his family, and then they all, when they all turned to dust, there were so many gasps in the audience, and I was just like, really? Like, I, what did you guys think was gonna, like, happen in this scene with Hawkeye? Like, you, you so really... Dumb. I'm so glad I missed that, because that, I was, like, I was waiting for my friend, uh, Carlos, and I had his tickets, and he was running a little late because he comes from a distance away. So I had to run out and give him his ticket and come back. And I missed that. And I'm so glad I did. He made the viewing <laughs> the viewing of Endgame so much more pleasurable because I didn't have to sit through that bullshit. Because why the fuck? The fuck would I care? Yeah, well, I know what's going to happen. Well, that was the thing is like as soon as it was Hawkeye and his family, I was like, well, obviously he's the only one not turning to dust in this scene. That's why. Because let's be honest, and I'm not trying to be callous, but if everyone else isn't turning to the dust, why are you making me watch a scene with Hawkeye to start this movie? There is more important things to cover. Let's not waste our time, you know, unless his family is disappearing. You know, we we only yeah, have so much. Yeah, and, you know, and it. In retrospect, it's because they want to make him a more important character because they wanted to make like a TV series out of him, I guess. But there was that with um, when I saw um, Ant-Man and the Wasp because that was unexpected. There was a post-credit or maybe mid-credit scene where um, they dusted dusted Hank Pym and his wife and um, Evangeline Lilly. And that was unexpected. And that was such a drag because this was a really fun, lighthearted superhero movie. But that shit still has to happen. And I really dug that they let they had to set it up. They had to leave him in the quantum realm. And that's awesome. And also it reminded you, no, this is the mood that we're leaving you with. Yeah. Like, don't forget, this isn't fun. There's some serious shit about to happen because you haven't seen Endgame yet. And that is awesome. So once again, you know, Hawkeye ruins fucking <laughs> But no, though, to get back on track uh, from just our general uh, Marvel musings, uh, though, like, because what I remember is so from that, like, I remember people losing it for Hawkeye. I, obviously, me and everyone else in that theater, when Captain America picked up the hammer, like, was such a big thing. But then, uh-huh. I, I mean, I, and I mean yep. this sincerely, and I, when I watched it in the theater, and again, when I watched it last Friday night of just, yeah, when T'Challa, like, comes through, because he's the first one through a portal. Like, you get Sam yeah. in the radio, yeah. and then it, the portal opens, and on it's, left. yeah, it's yeah. just, no, like, it, it was simultaneously the best decision and the worst decision to keep watching that movie <laughs> Friday night. Yeah. Yeah, good call. And you're 
I applaud your um, emotional stability in these trying times to be able to keep watching that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, so um, for so for me, look, I'm not I'm not trying to play anything out, nor am I trying to um, predict what any what anybody's gonna do as far as making movies in the future. What I'm saying is, um, a Wakanda King's funeral would be fucking epic. Yeah. Also, just I I don't know what you guys are gonna do. Like it it's a tough situation, but just Shuri is Black Panther is the sentence that I would say to you of just if we got like that's a good one Black too. Panther too. That's a good one just, too. I think I th- yeah. Good call. I think what we're both saying is. There's only one don't T'Challa. Him. <laughs> yeah. And don't don't yeah, don't you can't do that. He he was I don't so think he, like Chadwick Boseman yeah. was so excellent in that role. Look, they re, they um they put uh 42 back in the theater. I didn't see that movie. Um uh but look, in all our minds and hearts, uh Chadwick Boseman is T'Challa, Wakanda forever. Yeah. And uh I don't I wouldn't even want to be the person who tried to take up that mantle. So no, it's I, I I, it would be a huge awesome. it, it would be a disservice to everyone to attempt, including the actor right. that you cast. I don't care Absolutely. who it is. Like just Absolutely. nope, he was it. You know, yeah. Uh, but no, just because uh, I started to say this, and I don't want to lose this. Like I do want to mention this stuff. Like just some of the stuff that is just how thoughtful he was about the character and, and stuff that I've been uh, reading, particularly this past week. But just like all the little details that he put into it of just the fact that he really fought for the accent. Like he, you know, there was apparently some discussion uh, with Marvel, like, you know, and I kind of understand where they're at least coming from of like, you know, they're going to default to, he should have like a neutral American accent, but, but Chadwick Boseman apparently really fought for the idea of, well, if you're saying that Wakanda is this like, this sort of isolated area mm-hmm. in Africa that is never, you know, like they haven't had, uh, you know, people coming in and trying, they've never been conquered. There's never been outside forces interfering. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't sound like that. This is what they would sound like. They've been their own remote, like African, uh, country that's been untouched by the outside world. So they, this is what he should sound like. And that was just, like a detail that he fought for. And even the, the Wakanda forever crossing his arms, like apparently mm-hmm. that uh, was meant to like, that was the way they buried African Kings. And it was particular to him that the right arm goes over top of the left arm because that's the correct pose. Like, but everything like just that level of detail went into Like he knew how important this character was. He knew what it could mean to people. And he like thought about things that like, you know, understandably other people would have taken the part and not (laughs) like had that, like those little details. But I think it is the little details that do make the difference. Just how much also the fact that like Ryan Coogler wrote a very lovely uh, tribute to him and basically said that the, you know, the, the Michael B. Jordan final line in black Panther, where he says, bury me, uh, you know, bury me in the ocean with my ancestors. Like that whole thing actually came from the original script had, uh, him saying that he wanted to be buried in Wakanda. And it was actually 
Chadwick Boseman reading the script, pushing back on that, going like, that doesn't sound right to me. I don't think that's what he would want. And like that. So that line came out of Chadwick Boseman going like, no, I think I think there's something different. I don't think this is like just that kind of stuff where I'm just like. Like, Man. I mean, we all saw it on screen. Like, we we all knew, like, everybody resonated with the way that he played the character. But it's just, like, then you hear these, the details of, like, he was thinking about all of it. Like, just big picture. Like, what does this mean? Like, how does this character, like, every detail of it he thought about. That's so great. That's so great to hear. Can we... Uh... If we don't name this episode "Fuck You Cancer," can we rename the show "Fuck You Cancer"? I mean, let's rename the show "Fuck You." Can we be "Fuck Cancer Radio"? But <laughs> well, then it sounds like we're specifically against radio. <laughs> like, I think it gets confusing when you add the radio in. But um, cancer radio. Yeah, also, you're right. Now, yeah, you're right. It's, yeah. it, it sounds like a conspiracy theory podcast. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, you, you know the radio is giving you cancer, right? Oh God! Because that does sound they're yeah. the, because the Earth isn't round. The radio waves can go in either direction and causes everyone to have cancer. Uh, but yeah, I don't like. Besides just saying over and over again, like how much uh, we like him. I, you know, I, I don't like that. I feel like that was all of the. The stuff if you haven't read that somewhere else that I that I wanted to mention, but uh, the the only other thing I can think to yeah. say is I know obviously a lot of people uh, have rewatched Black Panther. I would just say if you haven't also rewatched Civil War, I would recommend that because it's a great movie and he's that character's really good in it. So also rewatch Civil War. He's re- he's really good. He's he's someone. He's someone who, 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 he's able to do something in um, in Civil War that not a lot of people have pulled off, if any, and that is you have a cast of characters who are well established characters, and they're being played by talented people, and they played them for many movies up until this point, and us as, um, you know, I'm not gonna say nerds. I'm going to say devotees <laughs> to this particular movie series have gotten to know very well. And he showed up and um, he, along with the actor who played uh, his father, whose name I don't know, I'll apologize. Um, they, es- they establish themselves as characters and um, the kind of culture they come from, from this fictional uh place uh fictional place um so well and so instantly and i want to give that i'm also you know want to give credit to the writers and also uh the directors and the editors for this that you you just feel like you know them right away just here they are without knowing much of anything about them i they're just there and I get it and I'm willing to go with you. This isn't a stranger. I understand you're going to be important. You're already compelling to me within your, your first two sentences you've said on screen. I am compelled. Where are you going? (laughs) It's okay. If it's okay, I'd like to follow you for a second to see what the hell is going on there. You're all very compelling and good looking. So what's up? Yeah. No, like the way that uh they yeah, they 
the it is completely you know and really it does require just the talent and charisma of Chadwick Boseman the fact that yeah like Black Panther could easily get lost in a movie that is by necessity very crowded with very established superheroes and the fact that yes, like indeed. not only is he just woven into the plot but also is really the moral center of the plot because like that's what always strikes me when I rewatch that movie is that yeah. The in speech that he gives as you're watching Tony Stark and uh, Captain America, like just destroy each other. The fact that he gives like he has a chance to kill Zemo and decides not mm -hmm. to and says, you know, vengeance has consumed them. Uh, it's consumed you. It is consuming them. I will not let it consume me and decides I'm just going to arrest you. I'm not going to kill you. Like that's right, right. so important to that movie. And it, you know, again, like it requires you to be invested in black Panther and to buy it. And yeah, he crushes no, that. I because let's listen, not only that, but let's not forget at the end of the film, the person that, um, that he was originally trying to get to kill. He, um, he harbors, he's a, yeah. um, you know, Bucky is an international criminal. Yeah. And he harbors him in his country and takes care of him. Not only takes care of him, but builds him a new arm. Well, that is much better than his old arm, which was already an awesome arm. <laughs> well, again, it's, it's that difference between, and I, it all works and you need this range of things for the movie. But like, yeah, the fact that T'Challa realizes when he gets all of, like, I want to take down Bucky because he killed my dad. Okay, I've now gotten more information. It was actually Zemo. It wasn't Bucky. I completely forgive Bucky because I now realize he was a victim in this. Meanwhile, Tony Stark has all of the information, knows that Bucky is brainwashed, know that he wasn't controlled, and still looks at Steve Rogers and says, he killed my mom. Like, and you you don't disagree with them, like, but you need both. You know what I mean? Like, you need you do that need contrast. You, yeah. you do need both. I'm I'm still gonna t look. You give me a choice. I will I will side with Tony Stark over Steve. Rogers oh yeah, with that. You and I have talked about this a lot. A is like I understand where Steve yeah. Rogers is coming from. He has a very valid point. Team Tony Stark. Yeah. Every time I watch that movie. Like, for sure. Also, yes, I still, I get mad every time, like, like, cause I get where you're coming from and hey, look, he would kill him. But like, you guys are double teaming Tony Stark when like, he's, you know, like, like everything he says to Steve Rogers about like, where he's like, he, he's my friend. And he's like, I was too. Like, you guys realize you're yep. both jumping me right now. Right. Like. Like, I'm pretty justifiably upset, and you guys are, like, you know, tag team beating me up. No, straight up. They need to take a breath and have a conversation. But you're right. T'Challa is the one who's like, I'm going to forgive everyone who has done me wrong in this situation. Um, now, they should receive uh, their individual justice, but I'm not, I'm not going to let... This this rage consumed me over the fact that my, my father died uh, needlessly. By know? the way, so you reminded me of something uh, as I'm just sharing things that I've been reading about uh, Chadwick Boseman. But John Connie is the name of the actor who plays his dad. Oh, uh, there we go. One of the things, one of the other little details that, of course, like that also just like um, is so cool is because uh, he's from uh, South Africa and the I and I unfortunately I, I because I didn't remember that I was going to say this I don't have it in front of me but the language that they speak 
uh, when they're speaking to each other is actually Mm -hmm. the language that John Connie like grew up speaking. And the thing was, no kidding. That wasn't scripted. I think it was scripted in English. They decided that on the set, and then Chadwick Boseman had to learn his lines. Like in that dialect, but that's how they decided. They basically made that. that be the dialect for Wakanda. But he learned those lines on set in a different language because they wanted that for the two of them, like to when they talked. That's incredible. And let's not forget too that Civil War was supposed to be the movie that introduces T'Challa and Wakanda and the Black Panther, and that was it. That was the that was the billboard moment of here comes black panther and then all of a sudden um these negotiations uh worked out with sony and now spider-man is going to be in civil war there's going to be a brand new spider-man and they got an awesome guy to play peter parker and it's going to be awesome but still you walk out of civil war and you think holy shit spider-man and black panther are real. There's going to be a Black Panther movie that's going to be fucking crazy. Also, both Team Stark. Could have could have been <laughs> completely... Com- <laughs> completely, like, Black Panther, I think, in the wrong hands. And I'm talking, you know, I keep saying this, but, like, yes, yes. <laughs> what I'm saying is, you cast the wrong person as T'Challa, and no matter how good the filmmakers are, it could get swept under the rug. Yeah. But you... You got the right guy. He was so goddamn good and compelling. Not to mention his looks. Not to reduce him to how good he looks, but we all know how the man looks. <laughs> Look, like that. And, his, um, all his, of a sudden, we, we want to see Chichala. His smile is all. Like all I'm gonna say. That that man. Come on. Yeah. Like. Oh uh, uh, but it's really funny too because the actual like. I think you did a good job, like covering it. But like the weird thing is, though, the full picture of that was for Civil War. It was supposed to be Spider Man, and then like they wanted that part to be Spider Man, but then Sony just shot it down. And then those the leaks happened, right. where uh, all those like emails from Sony got leaked. Uh, you know, they had like a big data hack, and it was because. People found out because, again, this is like coming off of the Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man movies that uh-huh. uh, were not good that I think investors for Sony and people <laughs> in positions of power were like, wait, so Disney came to you guys and offered to let you put this character in their <laughs> movies and you said no. And like it was because of that that he got put in. But it's just. It's yeah, it is fascinating because it was going to be Spider-Man. They couldn't get Spider-Man. So they wrote this whole arc for Black Panther, which I do think I think it worked out for the best for everybody because I love the way that T'Challa is introduced. I think that arc really, like I said, is the heart of the film. And then because Spider-Man, who Lord knows, we've seen so many Spider-Man movies. We don't need an origin story for all you had to do was be like, he now knows the Avengers. That's what we wanted to see with Spider-Man. So he's in two scenes in the movie. You you get it. Like, I think it worked out for the best. Like, if that had been a big... Because in the comics, Spider-Man was really central to the Civil War comics. And I think that's what they're... But this was yes. better. And, I, and this one, I, it's uh, Tony Stark only invited him to Germany because of the webbing anyways. He needed the webbing because he thought the webbing was going to make everyone be arrested. He was just going to web them <laughs> all up. 
and that was going to be it. But that was it. Otherwise, I, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have invited a, a fucking kid. That's a different show, but that's what happened. But I I will say, having again just rewatched it, but uh, I am utterly delighted every time I watch Spider Man because obviously you're watching that movie for the airport hangar scene, which is great. Uh, but watching Spider Man interact with all of the other characters for the first time and just like doing it completely joyously because he has absolutely no emotional stake in fighting them. So he's just excited to meet everyone, but also wants to like, it's a great dynamic for like, I forget who it is. I think it's, uh, uh, is it Falcon that tells him like, normally there's not this much talking like when you fight, like, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All of that is really delightful. And him, him telling him telling Bucky that his, uh, his robot robot arm is really cool. I think he's just glad to see like other people are weird too, and I'm yeah. interacting with them, yeah, and that's awesome. Also, I just like him calling out that Captain America's shield does not obey the laws of physics. Like that also really amuses me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, and also T'Challa. Yeah, was not over not overshadowed by goddamn Spider Man, which is. Uh, which is not nothing. Also, someday I will be able to watch that movie and not get ridiculously angry at Black Widow for turning on T'Challa and letting <laughs> Steve Rogers get to the plane. I get mad every single time because what is her bullshit? Like you know, uh, I I said I'd help you. I never like like she does some like completely you know erroneous logic of like I said that I bring you to him i didn't say that i'd help you capture him and it's like yeah, come on well you know we're doing this shit again mr murphy where we're just talking about marvel the whole time but that's i was on the fence on steve rogers the whole time and they did this really great arc with um with steve rogers and tony stark throughout the entire um um infinity saga where you kind of saw the relationship breaking down and that there are a lot of consistencies in the different ways that those two men think. And I was always kind of on the fence and also like can see both of their points of view. And I think all the way until the end, I could see their different points of view. I could, I honestly could, but in civil war, how you think Steve Rogers is correct in that. And this is someone who does not trust the government and would be very, very wary of signing any sort of um any sort of thing that the federal government had written up to govern the way that I act but oh. in civil war I cannot I cannot side with Steve Rogers I think he's wrong from from the end of questioning to actions you know of course question it question like Mr. Murphy says question at the everything. end of the podcast yeah. question hey. everything but um, question it, but then you made the wrong decision, man. It was the wrong decision all the way around. Well, also, it just it doesn't help his case because I can understand what the accords them having differences, but it's just his willingness to choose Bucky over everyone else when even Bucky is telling him not to do that, and then like yeah. at the end when you just find out that he knew he knew that he killed his parents and he just didn't like he wasn't going to tell him. It's fucked up. I think you you take. You're, you're Captain America. Take Bucky in on um, on yours and his own accord and say, 
this man needs to stand trial for the things that he's done and then hear the case. You know, if it's decided that the man is guilty, then act the way you will at the end of that. But just to say, no, he will not be apprehended. That's bullshit. At first, yes, because it looks like they're going in just to kill the son of a bitch. Don't let, don't let, don't let the police just bust in and kill the guy because they're scared of him. Like, sure, he needs to be, he needs to be brought in. He needs to face justice because he actually physically did these things, but the circumstances were, um, uh, very extraordinary. So take him in, but he's just like, no, no one's going to get him. He's my friend. So he gets carte blanche and that's horse shit. Yes. Steve Rogers. Captain America. <laughs> well, it's also made clear by Zemo that, like, he's still... And it's never fixed in any of these movies. Like, if someone else were to get their hands on those, like, code phrases, we have no reason to believe they couldn't still, like, brainwash him. Like, he's never... Straight up. Yeah. The man, he needs help. Yeah. But like, he needs help. Yeah, he's not getting so it. So good on you for, for helping your buddy, but don't help him just do what the fuck he wants. Yeah, then, the, then, Jesus. It, then he just pieces out at the end, like, just doesn't... Oh, we're done now. I'm gonna just be an old man. I'm gonna I'm gonna go grow the sexiest beard imaginable and be awesome. So yeah. peace. <laughs> All right, but we're not here to relitigate Marvel. Uh, I will just say that's literally we've we've just done that yeah, for forty minutes, I know, I know. but we're but uh, I will say Marvel aside because obviously he did a lot of great movies. Uh, the I the Five Bloods is on. Uh, Netflix and Molly and I watched that when it came out. Uh, I would caution that it might be you might want to wait just because I mean that movie really got to me and God Delroy Lindo is so good in that movie uh, too of yeah. just it's a really good movie that I would if you haven't seen it would caution because it is about the fact that Chadwick Boseman plays a soldier that died in Vietnam and the other guys are now older and haunted by his death. So I would understand if you did not want to watch that right now, but I would recommend at some point watching it because he is really great in it. He and Delroy Lindo have a good scene that I cannot say anything about because uh, it would spoil too much, but it's that movie is very much worth watching if uh, you've only seen the Marvel stuff. Uh, sure. Yeah. I would also say, um, here's the thing. I have a, I have a problem with um i have a problem with biopics uh or biopics um because it's usually full of of very talented people with a very contrived uh script um uh he he is fantastic in 42 yeah and also if you if you're a baseball fan a jackie robinson fan you've probably already seen it but also it's not. It's not hard to watch. No, forty two is good. Like, yeah. When it, yeah. when it comes when it comes to biopics, it can be. It can almost feel like a chore. Forty two is actually very easy to watch. It's it's pretty. It's pretty fun. It's you know, it's, it's kind. It's kind of weird. I don't think you're really getting an accurate representation yeah. of. Of, of of Jackie Robinson and what he what he did it, in it does have culture, that but yeah it has that same vibe that yeah I, I'm with you because like those movies like they tend to everything is very reduced and oversimplified and just sort of checking yeah. historic like they never quite feel authentically lived in they feel like 
they were kind of made for schools you know to like make sure you learn the material more than like sure (laughs) like but uh no he's very good in that movie uh also it's been years since i've seen it but if i'm not mistaken isn't alan tudyk like a horrible racist in that movie which is always was if i remember correctly very jarring to me when i watched it uh maybe i actually don't remember i don't remember i see him i see him with a um with a fedora like on the crown of his head isn't it back and you can see his hair sticking in front of it and he's saying shitty things with a smile on his face that sounds yeah right to me. but it was just because it's like alan tudyk who you know it's just weird to see an actor that you really like being cast as like i am the racist in this and it's like i mean you know someone has to do it but wash no <laughs> we love you play with dinosaurs and die tragically <laughs> like that's yeah, yeah um but yeah, I I would recommend I would recommend Defy Bloods if you haven't seen it. Uh, I also I I want to watch the the James Brown one, which I know is on HBO Max, but I haven't seen that one yet. But yeah, yeah, I'll check that out because it's another like I avoid the biopics. Yeah, man. I watched I watched Forty Two because I love baseball so much, and I really and also Harrison Ford's in it. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, so I was. Uh, that 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 ticked two boxes for me: baseball and Han Solo. So I'm gonna check that one out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's funny because I did see like you know on YouTube, obviously all the stuff's passing up. But it, it is interesting the way that I saw that the trailer for 42 was like it came up recommended for me. But you can tell you know what a difference uh you know like so a few years make in terms of like it was uh, the trailer openly said like Harrison Ford movie 42 and like it's hard to imagine now that that's you wouldn't be just openly yeah no totally yeah. no absolutely absolutely yeah yeah that was before the um he became top build on the on the marquee and then you know you know what it was i think there was a <clears throat> Never been a fan of that genre anyways, but there was a one-two punch for me when I I begrudgingly watched uh, The King's Speech, which, <laughs> you know, which was, you know, Oscar bait. It was fantastic. I like the movie for the most part. I like it because of Jeffrey Rush and Helena Bottom Carter, if I'm being honest. They really yeah. – they yeah. really – kept the whole story rolling for me um and then a few years later not quite a few there was a few years later and then straight out of compton came out and i watched straight out of compton and also i liked it quite a bit but but the that was a one-two punch for me it was like i you know i'm out no i'm yeah unless someone says this is this is really good you have to see it no, I know you hate these movies, but this one is actually good. Then I'm not watching that shit anymore. I just can't. I get like, so I think I've been trying since Ray, honestly, yeah. since before Ray, but like the, so many of these contrived horse shit. I'm just fucking done, man. Well, so since you uh, mentioned uh, straight out of Compton, like, cause that was one. And I feel this way about most of them of like, I thought there was a really interesting movie in the middle of that movie 
that I wish was the whole thing. And then the beginning and the end just felt like, like they, they always have this urge, you know, and they all do a Bohemian Rhapsody does it. Like they, they all feel the need of like, I have to encapsulate their entire career. And right. it's like, I feel like right. you'd be better off to pick a story from within their life and tell it because the stuff with in straight out of Compton, where they're like, you know, dealing with the police and like doing the live shows like that to me felt like, that window of when they were a very popular group that was like talking about, you know, police violence and, and dealing with pushback for that, you know, just make that movie. Like we don't, we don't need to, you know, we know all the other stuff. Like we don't just need to share. No, like, no, I absolutely see what, see what you're saying because there have been those sorts of movies where they just take a picture right in the middle of a story and just tell that thoroughly the way through and I love that. Even even if they flash back to the beginning or flash forward to the end, but you just like because that's a the thing. I think they just feel points, yeah. right. Yeah, because yeah. it they the yeah. I think yeah for me it's like they always tend to feel like meandering because again they want to like talk about everything that happens you know throughout their career <laughs> and it's just like just pick an interesting part and then yeah if you want to throw some other stuff in there or whatever but yeah pick pick the most That's interesting like, part of their life th- and just tell that exactly pick the interesting part in their life and tell it and you can tell it accurately and it'll be interesting because it's an interesting story you want to tell their whole story. Which probably 95% of it is uninteresting because it's just someone's fucking life. Our lives are boring. Right. So when no our one lives wants don't, to watch them. And our so lives you have don't to make line it interesting well. by doing a bunch of horse shit. Yeah, well, because our lives don't neatly work out on, like, a hero's journey, you know, movie structure. <laughs> like, you know, there there's tangents and, you know, just, right. uh, yeah. But all of that. Uh, I, you, I know do, what, you know what was a good one, though? I'm sorry, just yeah. to put a button on this. What, what A good one, though, that I actually liked was Love and Mercy, which um, was the Brian Wilson story. Brian Wilson from, um, from the Beach Boys. And what I liked about that was... <clears throat> He had he had two really troubled parts of his career, one of which was when he he started taking um, psychedelics with uh, with the Beach Boys uh, when he was with the Beach Boys and developed up the horrible mental condition and then started overeating. And then in the 80s, when he had uh, a manager that had actually um got his power of eternity uh eternity power of attorney and started abusing him mentally and physically and those two stories were told at the same time now i'm not saying this is 100% accurate what i'm saying is it was a very interesting way to tell those two stories as i had already known them i thought you know this is this is actually kind of interesting to watch and good performances by um paul dano and john cusack playing um uh, playing him in respective years. Um, I recommend that. It's still not the easiest thing to to watch, but there are a lot of good performances, and I just think that's a good way to tell a story. You didn't tell... You don't have to tell Brian, Brian Wilson's whole goddamn yeah. story. He lived a long-ass life. There were two times in his life where he had a bunch of trouble, and th- the things leading up to that trouble are interesting, and also he's a part of of music history. Boom. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You can tell a story that way. We're fine with that. Yeah. No. Good Good call. I haven't seen that one, but yeah, that sounds really interesting. 
Uh, but yes, I do. Sorry to rant, but they, that, was, that was no, 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 no. You're good. Uh, we are almost out of time though, and I do want to sneak this in before the show ends because um, what before you know Friday morning, like early Friday when I woke up, what I did and you know what, what provided me a lot of joy in a what has been uh, as scientists call it a garbage year uh, was that I watched <laughs> the the movie. Bill and Ted face the music, which I had been uh, looking forward to. I think you told me that you yes, saw indeed. it too. Uh, and I just, I want to give a shout out to the movie. I have nothing uh, to gain from you watching it, except for the fact that uh, it made me very happy to watch. And I think yes. it might make you very happy to watch. Because uh, they just, it's, I, it's a rare thing. And it's so rare that maybe you can think of an example, but I honestly don't know if I could come up with one on the spot of like, I can't think of a movie that came out, you know, 20 plus years after the previous installment that actually just feels like the third Bill and Ted movie. It doesn't feel nostalgic. It doesn't feel like it's just coasting on your, you know, your fond memories of the previous ones. It is a standalone movie that tells an enjoyable story and feels like you're just picking up with two characters uh, that you want, like that they still understand and are told with care. And I, I loved that movie very much and it made me very happy to watch. Yeah, totally. I have no notes. Yeah. I have zero notes. Yeah. It's, it's, go. it's good. It was, it was, it was great. It, but I think <clears throat> if you have not seen the first two Bill and Ted movies, watch the first two and then the third one. If you have watched the first two Bill and Ted movies and you have them memorized, okay then, watch the first two and then watch the third one because it is such a viewing experience. It's great. What I what I've always loved about these movies is that um there's a plot but there's no reason for it to be happening. Yeah. Like the 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 reason why the first movie happens, you don't they don't introduce the plot of the movie until the very end. You don't know why it's all happening. Yeah. It just is. And then the second movie, they never tell you why it's happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's an there's an antagonist, but that antagonist has no motivation and then is defeated. Who gives a shit? It's fun. And then this third movie is the same way. And they even they even reference it during the film of you don't even know what's going on until it's over. And I love it. I love that arc through the whole movie, it almost feels like a microcosm of the existential dilemma of we're just doing stuff yeah, to stay afloat and be happy and make sure everything is okay. That's all anyone, anyone wants. And that's the reason why anyone is doing anything is for everything to be okay. What I love, what I love it. It too, was great. I, it, I loved it so much. What I love too, is that they're, they're silly movies uh, with silly jokes and with two just goofball protagonists, but that they're written by clearly very smart people. And I say that because, uh, like, in the first movie, uh, you get stuff like the visual joke that cracks me up every time you get. First of all, it's Billy the Kid and Socrates in a food court hitting on women, which uh, is already amazing. Socrates. <laughs> yeah. Amazing <laughs> conceptually. And hilarious. But then what happens? They're talking to some ladies and Sigmund <laughs> Freud walks over eating a corn dog. Like that's <laughs> yes. that joke is you have to be 
smart to come up with something that stupid. <laughs> like, th- there's a lot of craft and a lot of thought that goes into Not that. Like that. Look, yeah. look, this isn't Sigmund Freud holding a corn dog at his side. Sigmund Freud is holding a corn dog to his face yeah, it's, the entire time <laughs> and not knowing how to hit on women it's seriously like that is a plus dumb joke like that's uh, but that like the one that always gets me that like got me to that like blew my mind was because i saw these movies when i was a kid you know bill and ted like i saw them when i was young and i remember uh when i was 18 and i was in college for the first time and I was in a film class. And so, of course, you know, I'm like very excited to finally watch pretentious films and become the guy that you're listening to now, <laughs> you know, to kind of get my like college film education. And I remember we watched The Seventh Seal and my brain exploded because I went, oh, my God, Bill and Ted's bogus journey was parodying The Seventh <laughs> Seal. <laughs> like and you don't get that as a kid, but that's. It's so funny to me that this this dumb movie, the entire reason that death looks the way that he does, has that accent and is challenging. They're challenging him to play Battleship is because they're parodying yeah. a, a very serious, you know, black and white classic piece of cinema where a guy plays death in a game of chess. Like that's again, brilliantly stupid is the only way. <laughs> I can describe yeah, brilliant, it. Brilliantly stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And William William Sadner William Sadler, who plays Death in uh in Bogus Journey, also played Death in an episode of uh Tales from the Crypt. And I thought he had I thought he was reprising his role from Seventh Seal, but he was actually reprising <laughs> his role from Tales from the Crypt because that's what a moron I am. So, like, yeah, there's that awesome. There, there are those awesome references, and then there are the other times where, I, like, seriously, I, um, <laughs> Excellent Adventure is one of those movies I watched incessantly. Oh yeah, as a kid, yeah. So it's just in my head, but I still laugh so hard because everyone's coming out of the phone booth, and he's like, um, "This is Phil Beethoven." <laughs> yes. And then I still, I still, I thought I was going to shit myself when he goes, this is Bob Genghis Khan. <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even say it was straight. Bob Genghis Khan. <laughs> no, it's, oh God, it's so good. Also, Jesus, like, William, it's so good. They're, they're just fun. William Sadler playing death, talking to God, explaining that the reason they're all in heaven and he's also wearing like an apron and like a sun hat and he tells God they uh-huh. melvin right. me is so stupid. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, I love these movies so much. Everything, everything is so stupid and so smart. Um, the, uh, the filmmakers, the writers themselves get cast themselves in roles that are called ugly and stupid. Yeah. Respectively. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's great, and I will you know I'll say this, and um, uh, just in case no, I shouldn't say just in case you've never seen him before, even if you have, I think it is a testament that in um, 1989 and 1991, um, there is just the smallest, the smallest, the smallest drop of of gay panic in the movie, just the. Sm- 
Yeah. Strap. Yeah. And the, and the, the first and second movie, they use the F word once and that's it. I'm not saying anyone gets a free pass. What I'm saying is look at other comedies at the time that had similar plots starring similar people with similar sorts of hijinks. And um, you won't find the restraint that you that you see with Bill and Ted. Yeah, even like you watch old John Hughes movies, and you're like, Jesus! Like, how did I miss oh, all this? Like, Lord. yeah, it's that is the Holy the God. most unfortunate thing about yeah revisiting movies that I'm very fond of from my childhood and realizing yeah there was unfortunately so much gay panic built into all of those movies. Like, yeah, no, definitely, and I don't even you know I don't. I don't blame anyone involved with the film. I blame the culture. It's just like, that's where we were. And that's what was considered funny or just, I don't know. That's where we were. Whatever. Stinks. We moved on. But yeah, if you, if you were a fan of the original, like I, I definitely recommend, uh, checking out the new one though. Like I, it, I enjoyed yes, it a lot. It's, I know. Look, I know it's $20. It is so much fun. No, I was so glad that I paid to just own it. Cause you know, like, cause it, you know, if I had rented it or whatever, I would have been sad. Cause I'm going to watch it again. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. So remember, question everything. And party on, dudes. <laughs> Station.
culture. Dead. It's not the end. It's more of a stepping off point. You reach out with both hands and bust and segment. They lead you into the green veld where you can run forever. Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. In a world where people watch movies. I think I'm going to watch a movie. Sometimes they don't like what they see. I don't like this movie. But sometimes they look for the silver lining. Wait a second. I like this part of this movie. Joel and Andy, do that work for you. The Silver Linings Playback. I like this part of this podcast where they tell me the part of the movie I like. Every Monday on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts.